Hey friends, Scott Sullivan here. Thank you for joining us. I'm the Discipleship Catalyst at the Georgia Baptist Mission Board. And uh, we've got a great discussion today with Dr. Jim Thomas from uh, pastor at First Baptist Church in Fayetteville, Georgia. Uh, now Jim is a graduate of Baylor University and Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. He's got a, a PhD in leadership studies and really what is, what's happening there at Fayetteville just doing really great. And what I love about um, Jim and, and the process that's happening there in Fayetteville is that's a disciple-making church. They're not just pushing buttons. They're not just checking boxes. So uh, we're excited to have Jim part of our broadcast today. Jim's got a wife of 25 years and both his daughters. One's a college uh, graduate or college senior and the other is a high school senior. So you got a guy doing high capacity things, Jim, man, all over the place, but you're also got the family man and keeping things in priority. So we're grateful to have you with us today. And uh, friends, let me just tell you this. Uh, we love what we do here at Georgia Baptist Mission Board. We are the discipleship team. We want to be able to do everything we can to resource and encourage and create disciple makers and disciple making churches. And uh, this broadcast is one of those resources. Now, what we want to do is give something away. So if you're just joining us, if you will put your name and where you're watching from in the comments there, we want to know where that is. And then Lana, my assistant, will be drawing a name at the end of the broadcast and we'll be sending you a pile of free resources. So make sure that you engage with us throughout the discussion. If you have questions, we'd love to hear from you because our team's going to be interacting with you in the comments to answer those questions. And I know Jim will be dropping information and links and, and how to contact him for more questions and all that sort of thing. So, man, Jim, thank you for joining us, buddy. Good to have you. And great to be here. Thank you, Scott, so much. I look forward to our talk today. You bet. Well, let me uh, jump in with the, the first question right off the bat here, um, because you uh, we're going to drop a link to the blog right now into the chats. And in that blog, you have a fun opening illustration about canoeing with a teenager that was disabled that you weren't real sure what was going to go on there. But I think both of you nearly drowned during this whole process. But you you mentioned that sometimes discipleship can be like that. Uh, can you dive deeper just for a second about what you mean? Because I, I, I'm like I'm tracking with you. And as I'm reading this story, I just thought, man, what a great illustration to, to lead into that point. Thank you. Very kind. Uh, yeah, I think I think a lot of guys, especially senior pastors, feel like that we're, we're dragging people down the river as far as disciple making goes. And I think I think there are a couple of reasons for that. I think uh, one of the reasons is that we may have misunderstood what disciple making really is. Um, it's not a program. It's not a curriculum. It's not do this thing and get a certificate at the end. It really is a whole life investment in following Jesus. And whether pastors understand that or not is one issue. Whether the people do or not is another issue. And I think it, I think it begins, one of the things we say in the Bonhoeffer Project is that the gospel you proclaim determines the disciples you make. And that was revolutionary for me. You know, I grew up in a typical Southern Baptist church in Texas, and um, it was a forgiveness-only gospel. The, the end result was praying a prayer. In other words, getting to the starting line of faith. And then everything else I was told to do is just show up, you know, attend the program, be in the youth choir, go to a class, go to Sunday school, come on Wednesday night. And it became kind of routine religion. And it wasn't until I got to college where I had someone really invest in my life. And I said, well, this is different. Mm -hmm. This isn't what I was taught. And I think when we proclaim a gospel that just leads to the starting line 
and not a gospel that leads to a life committed to Christ and living out that life. You know, Scott McKnight calls it a Christiform life, a life patterned after the life of Jesus. Hmm. Then we get the disciples that we create, if you will. When we preach a forgiveness only gospel, we get those. And so I think the other thing is this, is that, you know, a misunderstanding that Christian and disciple are two different things. And biblically, they're not. Uh, they're synonymous. That if you're a Christian, you're a disciple. Um, disciple isn't a higher class of Christian or anything like that. It really is what a Christian is. We are disciples of Jesus. The question then is, are you a good disciple or a bad disciple? Right. Are you obedient or not obedient? So I think that's, and pastors struggle with that as they try to cast a bigger vision for disciple making in their churches. Man, so good. Gosh, I have so many thoughts as you're talking through that, because really the way you're describing that, Jim, is so much about the way I grew up mm -hmm. of checking a box. And, you know, it reminds me of a, a comment that a family member actually said to me when I was implementing some of these similar changes in a church before I came to Georgia. And he said, he said, Scott, are you trying to tell me that everything we've done in church my whole life is wrong? Right. You know, and I just had to tell him, you know, of course, this is the guy that's the one of the most important people in the world to me. And I just said, you know, it's really not about that. It, if you did anything well, then you taught us to take the ball from work because we did what we knew. That's all we knew because we had never gone any other pathway. But I said, if you've done your job, then what we're doing is taking the ball and we're moving that forward. So, Jim, I'm so grateful, man, for you to, to share that and what you're doing. Now, that leads into a second question here. You mentioned how disciple making is both a partnership and a process. And that's great language. Share with us a little bit more about what you mean in detail. Yeah, and I, th I think I think when I say that, I used actually use that in my dissertation. So, you know, millions of people have not read my dis dissertation. So, um, but I think the idea here is this: is that dis being a disciple of Jesus, being a follower of Jesus, is beginning at the moment of salvation, is the formation of the character of Christ in us. We see that in Galatians five and the fruit of the Spirit, and that's the partnership aspect. The Spirit comes to indwell believers and starts the process of this new nature, of this new creation that we've become in Christ, of forming us more into the character of Christ. And so it is a partnership both between the individual believer and the Spirit of God molding and shaping us more to be like Jesus, but it's also a partnership uh, between believers as we sharpen one another, uh, as we train ourselves to be godly, as Paul says. And so those two things working together start to form a person to look more and more like Jesus every day. And I think that's what disciple making is. And I, I love what you just said, because I, I was the same way. I was, I was someone who was who sit still while I instill, but there was never any relationship with other people until I got to college of people saying, this is how you pray. This is how you do this. And I'm going to do it with you. And then I'm going to release you to do it. And then I'm going to challenge you to do that with someone else. And so this partnership and process thing leads us. And we understand that this is a lifelong venture. Right. And one of the things in the process of developing a strategy for disciple making is one thing I say is to is to give a theological vision. What's the end result? Where are we leading our people? Is it to show up Sunday or is it something much bigger than that? And what we say here at First Baptist is that we desire everybody to pursue a Christ centered life. Now, that's kind of our, our terminology. And so if they are pursuing a Christ centered life, it's something that is unreachable in this lifetime, but it's something worthy to pursue. And because of that, we, our strategy leads to that end and allows people to plug in so that they can continue that journey of formation, formation, both in partnership with the spirit and with one another. 
That's really good. Now, I want to veer from some of our prearranged questions that we talked about because you brought something up that's really important. What you're talking about is an intentional pathway that the church is setting up because the reality is for our disciples that we're trying to make is they don't know what they don't know. Yeah. So if we don't have an intentional pathway that we're tracking them down. So because one of the things, Jim, as I see a lot is that our churches have gotten to the point where they think that connection is the point of discipleship. Like let's connect them in a life group. Let's connect them in Sunday school and praise God for that because yeah. that's a, that's a first step. Great first step, but it's not the end goal of that. So can you just, can you share with us just from a pastor's heart of yeah. just how important it is to have an intentional pathway for a church? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I actually had a pastor ask me a few weeks ago. He said, well, is one-on-one discipleship, the main mode for disciple making. And I said, well, it's one of them. Mm, that's good. And in his mind, he thought that was it. And his, his teaching pastor was a larger church. His teaching pastor said, so we don't need to preach every Sunday then. Right. That was a fun little dialogue. <laughs> um, and, and, I, and he said, okay, expert, tell me. And I looked at him, I said, no, it's everything. You know, when disciple making, which is the one thing Jesus called us to do, when disciple making becomes the center of everything you do, then you can develop a pathway that leads toward that, that, that goal, that vision that you cast to your church. And so all my preaching from, you know, from the pulpit, everything we do from preschool to senior adults centers around making disciples of Jesus. And we want to create pathways where people can plug in um, at different, uh, at whatever stage of spiritual growth they're in, whether they're a brand new believer, whether they've been in the church their whole lives, and then the goal eventually is to multiply, to continue to make disciples and make disciples and make disciples. And so we have programmatically, programs fit in there. Programs aren't evil. They're just not the end. They're the means to the end. Right. Which makes them expendable. I know that's a sacred cow, but it makes them expendable if it doesn't lead us to our goal. Right. Mm. And so that's where the pathway starts to take shape around a desired end, a desired vision but also key principles. We have seven core principles in our disciple-making strategy. It's the only thing I preach on, one of those seven principles. Now they're general, missions and evangelism, um, uh, the life of Christ, theological formation, you know, big topics. But right. I put those foundations for like a series, preaching series, at the top of the notes page so they know where we are in our disciple-making process. Oh, and so goodness. everything ties back together toward the vision of a Christ-centered life. Man, I'm just telling you, and as a new person in Georgia, who for the first time in my adult life had to look for a church. Mm. I've never had to a church shop. Right. Like I'm, I was looking, I found myself looking for that. Does this church have an intentional pathway? Does the pastor know where he's headed? Is it strategic about what we're doing? I'm just telling you as a person who's looking to join with his family, that makes all the difference in the world to me because you can disagree with the color of the carpet or some of these peripheral things. But if you've got that strategy, man, that is that means that my kids can grow up in a in a strategic pathway to become who God wants them to be. Golly. And, you know, we're this year we're 191 years old as a church. Wow. So we're not a church plant. We're a church plant like that, you know, 18th century, 19th century, whatever. And and you know, so there's there's some things that have been in place for a while and and some assumptions in the lives of people that have been in place to even after, you know, we went three years oh, after I got here, I've been here eight and a half years now three years of culture change with language and, and putting the right team together and all of these things. And before we even launched any type of official pathway, in fact, we just kind of, one thing we say in the Bonhoeffer project is don't announce the revolution, just start it. 
Mm. And so we just started some D groups. We started getting people interested in disciple making kind of underground. And all of a sudden you saw that multiplication happen and the language change and the people's vision change. But, you know, five years in, I still had a guy come up to me and go, now, what time does that discipleship thing start? And I said, were you in Sunday school this morning? He goes, yeah. I said, you're in it. Did you come to worship? Yeah, you're in it. You know, now here are some other venues, other programs, if you will, some places where you can be involved to grow, but also to influence others. And so it, it, it's still now eight and a half years later, we're still kind of turning the ship of culture toward this new idea for many of our people. Yeah. And the, and the shifts and the turning of the ship is a forever process and it continuing yep. that culture and that language and keeping it in front of them. So good. Hey, let me jump to a third question here. Yep. So you mentioned um, the, the Bonhoeffer Project and you are the uh, director of training for that. Um, and in your blog, you mentioned the process of headwaters, upstream, midstream, and downstream. Can you hit that just for those who are going to be reading this blog, maybe just to give them a little insight about those four categories? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, most most discipleship ministries, and this is not a, a knock on any of them, we, we partner with a ton of people. We partner with Gallaudet, we partner with, with uh, Ogden, we partner with a lot of different people. Um, and especially in, in, in national, international stuff. But most discipleship ministries, and dare I say most churches, start, if you use the illustration of the river midstream, they start with, okay, we're supposed to make disciples. How do we do that? And what curriculum do we use? You know, that's, that's kind of where the discussion starts. What we do in the Bonhoeffer Project is that we feel like those are very critical, but we believe they're secondary. We go back up upstream, really, to the headwaters, which we call scripture. So we ask this question, how did Jesus make disciples? And so when we look at scripture and it becomes the formation for how we build our pathway, we call it a discipleship flow process. A strategy would be another term for that. When we get downstream toward that, we want a biblical foundation in how we're doing that. Then we look at the gospel. In fact, in the first couple months of or first couple meetings of the Bonhoeffer Project, we simply talk about the gospel, the call to discipleship and salvation. Because if we don't have that right, then we don't know what kind of disciples we're making. Right. Yes. And so as a result of that, we go back to found even for pastors in large churches, we've had pastors of churches of 50 and of, of several thousand that have gone through the Bonhoeffer Project. And we get them to go back and we say, OK, what's your definition of the gospel? Hmm. What's your definition of a disciple? What's your definition of discipleship or disciple making? And it's very, very interesting that everybody has their assumptions about what all those things are. And we see pastors or second or third chair guys get together. And then all of a sudden their definitions are different, Yeah, but serving on the same team. And which tells me immediately, they don't know where they're going to lead their people because they're not starting from the same base. Mm. Right. And so we try to go upstream to help them get those foundational things down to rethink, reconstruct a biblical gospel that centers around a life lived for Christ. Um, and then we go downstream, we go to the midstream aspect of that. And we say, okay, so what does this look like? How do we make disciples? What's this going to be? What about personnel? What about curriculum? What about this? How do we launch? Uh, how do you multiply, which is the end result of that? How do we multiply to make more disciples? But I think one of the unique things about the Monhoffer Project is taking what we call the first arc, the first four months of what we do, and really go back and theologically and philosophically go back through the basics to set a healthy foundation for what our strategy is going to look like. So good. And Jim, you know, we just launched the watershed principle. And uh, of course, I've, I've, I know Bill, but I've never been to the, the Bonhoeffer Project. I, didn't, I don't know the length. So your blog talking about those different layers there, 
man, I was just smiling the whole time that I was reading that because the watershed principle talks about six major streams that come to a pinch point that creates the waterfall. And, and what we talk about is that waterfall is that life change. It's where the, in the life of the disciple where change is happening because you're pursuing that, not just as a Christian who says that you're going to go to heaven because you got fire insurance, but you're walking as a disciple. There's life change. Then that's the most attractive thing to the world that they see that means something's different about that guy. And then of course there's, you know, it hits and then everything downstream is more beautiful. It's more vibrant and it's more luscious and healthy because the streams that are feeding the waterfall. So the whole time I'm reading that, I'm just like, Oh my goodness. Somehow the, the same spirit of God is working in different organizations, you know? Yeah, praise the Lord, man. So, so good. Hey, one more question here. Uh, we've talked about some different nuts and bolts of the Bonhoeffer project. Now, um, could you share with us maybe just some practical fruit that you've experienced maybe personally and professionally being a part of this cohort and maybe even some wins that you're seeing in churches? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, two things real quick, if I could. Uh, first of all, what is the Bonhoeffer Project? It's a, we're, not, uh, we're not Lutheran. We're not neo-Orthodox. It's, it's, it's interdenominational, centering around evangelicalism. Uh, I've had a lot of traction in Baptist life, though. Missouri Baptist, Texas Baptist, Georgia Baptist involved in this. But basically what we do is we, we, we help leaders become disciple makers. That's kind of our mantra. And so we gather a cohort of leaders for 10 months um, and we walk them through that or, or headwaters to downstream process uh, using Bill Hull, uh, his, uh, his curriculum, his books. There's a proprietary curriculum we use, so on and so forth. Uh, there are homework assignments like those definitions, those type of things um, that really spur on thought and conversation. And if you've ever been in a cohort like I was in my doctoral cohort, man, that rubbing against one another and pushing back against one another just helps with your own personal discipleship, right? Yeah. Uh, but I've seen a ton of fruit come out of this, both personally and in the pastors that I've led. We've had 25, 30 pastors in Georgia go through the Bonhoeffer Project already. Uh, we have over a thousand alumni internationally right now. We're starting uh, six cohorts in the UK this year. We're starting in Argentina, in Lithuania. Um, there's one more, in, oh, in Cameroon. We have nine cohorts starting in Cameroon oh. and many in the United States. Um, and so we're, it's exciting to see this thing grow. Uh, so that's part of the fruit is just the exponential growth of this. We're only six years old. Yeah. So to be able to have a thousand alumni that are putting processes in places in churches around the world has been really exciting. Uh, in Georgia specifically, though, we've seen, and it's been a swath. It's been we finally have focus for what we're supposed to do in church. That's mm -hmm. been that's been a response from some pastors. Uh, I, I knew something was missing. I just didn't know what it was. And now now I know what it was. And we are going to start this hard process of leading people to be disciple makers. You know. Um, We've had a couple guys, one this week, that resigned their church because they tried to, uh, one was a senior pastor, this guy was a second chair guy, discipleship pastor, and the church or the senior pastor wasn't willing to take steps toward disciple making, and they just sensed God's leadership to say, well, I, I need to go do this somewhere else. Yeah. Which is terrifying for an organization like us going, they're doing what we're asking them to do, you know? Yeah. And stepping out of roles to be in a place where they can make, where they can create healthy churches with a, with a healthy vision. That's not the norm. So don't think yeah. that's the norm. It's an exception. But I think um, this exponential growth, this, this new vision, this new focus is, is some of the fruit coming out of this. Uh, a renewed passion for the gospel, a renewed passion for ministry and pastors. Personally, in our church, um, you know, we've been doing this for, you know, officially for about six years now, uh, five years now. 
And um, I'm seeing life change. I'm seeing folks who are passionate. I'm seeing folks who are, who are growing up in the church. Uh, we've got a guy who's probably 81, 82 years old this year. He came to us and he basically said this, why are you changing the gospel? And we said, what are you talking about? He said, I was told if I prayed a prayer, I could go to heaven and that's all I needed to do. Hmm. And we said, well, uh, let's go back and read scripture together, you know? And he got into a discipleship group, a D group with us, with our discipleship pastor of all people. Yeah. And he started to walk through this process. A year later, he walks into a group and he says, I have an announcement. And they're all like, going, oh, my goodness. And he goes, I learned something this week. I learned that I'm supposed to walk by the power and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Come on. No one's ever, no one's ever told me that before. 60 years in the church. He never heard that. Oh. And he said, this has transformed my life. And so you have that from the young to the old. We're seeing uh, discipleship groups and people get involved in those things exponentially now. And so, it, you know, we've seen the fruit. We're seeing people's lives change and we're seeing them invest in the lives of others. Well, man, that's that's what we're looking for as well, Jim. And um, one thing that's interesting to me, some people, because like we just uh, are launching what we call learning communities, which is a, a cohort. You know, uh, yeah. it is personal growth. It's professional growth. And one of the things that we're trying to get people to, to really think about is like I tell people, I want us to finish well. Mm -hmm. Like when Jim Thomas is when he when you finish your time here, man, I want your wife to still love you and think that you're incredible and that your that your kids still see you as the hero and not that we abandoned them for ministry or not that we you know, did something that disqualified and these cohorts, like what you're doing with the Bonhoeffer project, man, that is not in competition with what we're doing at Georgia Baptist, right? No, right? no like know. if you're doing that and you're raising up disciple makers and disciple making churches, man, I have all, like, I'm pinned you down. I see that as a partnership. <clears throat> and when people ask, Hey, is there somewhere around me who could help me do this? I'm going to point them to you. So, man, that's why I'm so grateful that you were able to come on today share about the Bonhoeffer Project, because I want people to get in these processes and to personally move to be a disciple maker and set these processes up in their church. Amen, man. That's a great vision. And thank you for serving us that way. Absolutely. You bet you, brother. Well, friends, listen, so grateful for you. Dr. Tim, GM Thomas, we're grateful that you came on for all you're doing at Fayetteville. And uh, listen, uh, I know uh, just as a last comment, if somebody, there will be people who are viewing this, they'll say, man, I'd like to know more about what Jim is doing there at Fayetteville or how, or how they could get involved in that. Can you say just a quick word? And I know we'll put this in the comments as well. Absolutely, absolutely. I think several things. First of all, if you're interested in the Bonhoeffer Project, bonhoefferproject.com, thebonhoefferproject.com. You can see what we're about and it's an overview there. There's some videos on there that you can watch. Um, registration, obviously. Uh, if you want to talk to me, man, I'd love to talk with you. My, my church email address is kind of wacky. It's real long. So I'll just give you my Bonhoeffer one. It's jim at thebonhoefferproject.com. So that's real easy. Okay. You have to remember how to spell Bonhoeffer, but jim at thebonhoefferproject.com. Um, and then check out fayetteville.fbc.com. If you want to see our specific strategy, um, our pathway, it's on there under ministries. And I uh, would love for you to just check that out if you have any questions about that. Or if there's just any way I can help you, we're not here to profit over about anything. We just want to serve the local church, just like the Georgia Baptist Mission Board does. So if I can help you as a pastor or leader in any way, please just don't hesitate to let me. Absolutely love it. And again, we'll be dropping some of those links in the comments for you guys uh, to be able to interact. And remember, one of the reasons we're able to do this is because of the churches who give to the cooperative program. So this funding, this broadcast, all of us will be able to do this is because you give. So thank you in the local church for giving and supporting that and su supporting churches and disciple making all over the world. So like what Jim just said, I mean, they are starting 
these processes, these cohorts all over the world. And we're able to do that because of uh, things like the cooperative program. So again, if you're viewing, make sure you put where you're viewing from. We're going to be doing some free swag giveaway at the end. And um, it's, as we always say, as we close out our broadcast, make sure that you reinvest the gospel that was shared with you.